From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Nearly three out of four adults will have hemorrhoids from time to time. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Christina Goh. She's an assistant professor of surgery at Upstate who specializes in colon and rectal surgery. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Goh. Oh, thank you very much. Happy to be here. Well, let's start with what are hemorrhoids? Yeah, so hemorrhoids are within all of us. So we are born with three hemorrhoidal cushions in the anal canal. And basically, these are cushions of tissue and underlying blood vessels that help with a person's continence. And so what does that mean? Um, what What is continence? Yeah, so it's uh, the ability to go to the bathroom and have a bowel movement whenever it's socially acceptable for you and not have it have any kind of leakage or accidents whenever um, you're not ready to go to the bathroom to do so. So they actually, hemorrhoids have a function that's pretty important. Mm-hmm. So it's not the only way that somebody is able to uh control their ability to go and have a bowel movement, but it is really the reason why, why they're there and, and why people are born with this anatomical portion of their body. All right. Well, I think a lot of us have this uh, image that hemorrhoids are, are bad, um, and, and they do cause some of us problems. So what, what turns them into being a problematic issue for some people? So... Hemorrhoids start to become bad when they cause different symptoms. Um, those symptoms are most commonly bleeding, um, generally with bowel movements. It could also be pain. That can range from everything from just some discomfort while sitting to a very sharp sudden pain um, should a blood clot um, in those underlying vessels I talked about form. Um, or the tissue from these cushions can prolapse or basically come out of the anal canal, either with a bowel movement or stay out, um, even when you're not trying to strain, um, in a way that can be very bothersome to patients, either with discomfort or their hygiene down there. Um, so that's really when they cause a problem. Um, people generally develop uh, symptoms from their hemorrhoids around the age of 45 to 65, um, and some of the things that we've seen that can cause these symptoms to occur include stuff like constipation, um, increased pressure on the abdomen. Um, you often, uh, if you have friends who have been recently pregnant, they might have shared with you um, that they had problems with their hemorrhoid, particularly in the last trimester of their pregnancy, because that's when the most amount of abdominal pressure can occur. So those are some examples. Do hemorrhoids affect more women than men because of the pregnancy issues, or do you see it in both genders? So it's pretty evenly distributed between both genders, um, particularly because of um, the straining throughout one's life and, uh, you know, problems with constipation. Do you, is there uh, some element of heredity to hemorrhoids? In other words, if my father or mother um, had problems with hemorrhoids, am I more likely to have problems with hemorrhoids? So at least the studies that are out there right now don't have a hereditary link to hemorrhoidal disease. Um, I would say that sometimes if you have a whole family who 
is having problems with hemorrhoids, it might be a their toileting or um, dietary behavior since they're sharing meals together that might be contributing to it rather than a, a genet genetic um, cause for that. Well, let's talk about how hemorrhoids are diagnosed. I, I assume, you know, if you're having symptoms that are bothersome, pain or bleeding, um, you'll probably bring it up with your primary care provider. Are there uh, symptoms that people really need to act on quickly? Are there any sort of red flags? So generally speaking, bleeding um, can often be a red flag. The bleeding from hemorrhoidal disease uh, usually is self-contained, as in um, patients will come in saying, well, whenever I wipe uh, with a toilet paper, I, I see some staining on the toilet paper, or I see it sort of staining the toilet water. But if you're having dark bleeding and persistent bleeding, that's a red flag that you should go and see a healthcare provider. Um, if you're having bleeding where you're getting dizzy um, and lightheaded, that's that's definitely a red flag that you should um, more urgently or emergently go to your local emergency department or urgent care for further evaluation. So are hemorrhoids, they could become an emergency then in some cases? So they can. Um, Bleeding uh, is usually self-contained, like I said, and so if you're having that amount of bleeding, while hemorrhoids is part of the list of things that we would be thinking about, we would probably be thinking about more urgent issues um, that affect the colon and, and rectum and not necessarily the hemorrhoids themselves. Another way that hemorrhoids in particular can become an emergent issue is if we were going to go back to our discussion about prolapsing tissue. Um, if the hemorrhoids get stuck uh, outside of the anal canal, they can become incarcerated um, and also the blood supply can be affected. So if you're having significant pain and um, this tissue can't go back in, that, that would be probably the scenario that I would say would be an emergency evaluation. Now, is there any connection between um, problem hemorrhoids and colorectal cancer? So for problem hemorrhoids and colorectal cancer, no. Um, but going back to a scenario where you're having persistent bleeding, while that might be from your hemorrhoids, it is worthwhile to consider um, that you might need to be screened for colon and rectal cancer. I say this particularly um, in patients who are either, number one, have a family history of colon and rectal cancer, um, but might be younger than 50, or if you um, otherwise have no family history and have noticed this bleeding, while I would see and evaluate you for hemorrhoids, I would also recommend very strongly that you get a screening colonoscopy to look for other reasons for this bleeding um, from your bottom. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Christina Goh. She's an assistant professor of surgery at Upstate who specializes in colon and rectal surgery. So I wanted to ask you about some of the home remedies or medications that might be recommended for someone who's um, having problems with their hemorrhoids. Sure. So Often whenever I see patients uh, for their hemorrhoidal problems in the clinic, one of the things that we'll discuss are sort of toileting behaviors and um, dietary behaviors. Um, in terms of toileting behaviors, really what we want to do is avoid straining um, and prolonged time on the toilet. 
So patients will say, well, I'm very constipated and I have to press, uh, push a lot um, in order to have a bowel movement. If that's the case, um, or you're taking a very long, more than five minutes on the toilet, what I recommend is, you know, just take a break, um, remove yourself from the toilet, and, and just wait a couple more minutes until you feel like it, it, uh, things are ready to happen. Okay. Um, in terms of constipation, um, we will definitely have a discussion about the role of dietary fiber in um and its ability to help with any kind of constipating or diarrheal effects. So really you want to just have a soft bowel movement that is mildly formed and only takes less than five minutes to evacuate. Um, things like psyllium husk fiber, um, which brand names would include something like Metamucil um, or Consul, are things that I recommend my patients to take um, at least 15 to 30 grams a day, um, along with uh, enough uh, fluids, about 64 ounces um, daily, to help have that soft bowel movement and avoid straining. So there are supplements we can turn to um, in addition to increasing fiber in our diets. Yes, that's correct. I think it's actually quite hard to achieve that 30-gram goal solely by eating fruits, vegetables, and, and whole grains on a daily basis. So if someone has tried these things, um, you know, increased their fiber and they're following your guidance on toileting, if hemorrhoids continue to bleed or cause pain, are there minimally invasive procedures that can be offered? So, yes, they're, they're, it really depends on what type of hemorrhoidal symptom they have and on physical exam what component of the hemorrhoid is um, bothersome. And what I mean by that is the hemorrhoids traverse the anal canal. So what we consider external hemorrhoids are below a certain line and can be very painful. If it's above the, a certain line called the dentate line um, and it's primarily painless bleeding, these internal hemorrhoids can be treated in the clinic setting with a procedure um, and, and really be relieved that way. One example of this is rubber band ligation, um, where a patient will come in, will do something called an anoscopy, which is, uh, enables me to actually look at all of these hemorrhoidal cushions and literally place a rubber band over the internal hemorrhoid to cut off its blood supply. Within five to seven days, that hemorrhoidal tissue will fall out and be evacuated with a bowel movement, and often patients will say that the bleeding um, that they had been experiencing stops. Wow. Well, from what I understand, there's only a small percentage of people with hemorrhoids who require something more ex involved, you know, with a, a regular surgery. So mm -hmm. how often do you see that, and, and what patients are candidates for surgery? So a hem an excisional hemorrhoidectomy is still a very common procedure to be done. Um, and the patients that I would consider uh, for that would be somebody who has um, symptomatic hemorrhoidal disease that is the external component, um, putting a rubber band in the office over, over tissue that you can feel is very painful and, and um, not appropriate. So physically taking it out would be uh, the only way to treat that sort of hemorrhoidal problem. Um, patients who are having issues with the prolapse that we talked about, where they either have to manually place all that tissue back in their anal canal or it just sticks out all the time, are also candidates for uh, an excisional hemorrhoidectomy. And then finally, patients who have tried 
all of the uh, medical um, medical managements that we've talked about already, or somebody who has undergone rubber band ligation and and still has a recurrence of their symptoms and no longer wants to go through um, re repeated rubber band ligation are also candidates for a, an excisional hemorrhoidectomy. If you remove the hemorrhoids, um, does that guarantee they won't come back? So as long as they're completely removed, it should not grow back. Um, once the hemorrhoid is out, uh, it, it cannot grow back like a, you know, a, a, the nail on, on, on one's finger. All right. Well, we're, before we run out of time, I wanted to ask you about some ways to prevent hemorrhoids. If we could all sort of avoid developing problems in the first place, you know, maybe that would be the better way to go. Are there things that we can do to sort of make sure that we don't develop problems with our hemorrhoids? So, well, I think um, what we had talked about in terms of medical management before, um, including making sure that you are both getting enough fiber and um, water or other fluids daily are really important to avoid the straining that one might encounter while trying to have a bowel movement. Um, so what I would recommend is, you know, trying to get that tablespoon of Metamucil in the morning and at least 64 ounces of fluids throughout the day, um, trying to minimize um, staying on the toilet um, just to check your news feed or, or you know, People do all sorts of things in, in a contemplative manner, um, but maybe doing not doing that over the toilet. <laughs> um, and I think that is probably the main way to avoid hemorrhoids. If you do have them, we're, I'm always happy to see somebody about that. And we still would be talking about fiber. Another thing we would be talking about if it's discomfort that's particularly bothersome is sort of soaking in a warm bath for 10 to 15 minutes as well. So there are some ways that we can avoid um, problems with one's hemorrhoids. So you mentioned constipation, and I just wonder, um, is that something that everyone sort of will deal with at some point, or is it a warning that a person needs to maybe evaluate their fiber intake or, or that they're developing, you know, problems with hemorrhoids? So constipation is a very common um, issue, and it doesn't necessarily mean that a clinical evaluation is warranted. Um, certainly, constipation can cause hard stools to pass that either mean that you need to strain a lot on the toilet, um, or it can also cause hard stools to pass that can cause painful bowel movements as some skin breaks can occur in the anal canal. Um, really, it's never going to be hurtful to add additional fiber and um, fluids to your diet. So if there is a concern that one's constipated, um, starting with fiber and water or other fluid intake um, is always a safe um, and non-harmful place to start. If after that um, a person is still concerned about how their bowel habits are, um, a good place to start is uh, meeting with your primary care physician who can help determine whether that needs further evaluation from a specialist like a surgeon or a gastroenterologist or any other types of specialties. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much to Dr. Christina Goh. She's an assistant professor of surgery at Upstate, specializing in colon and rectal surgery. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.